1: Salutations, everybody! It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode three hundred and eleven of the Ham Radio Podcast.
0: And I'm Dustin with Last Stand Media. Maddie, I just had a thought. I oh. want to get this out okay, right at the beginning. So sometimes you have friends, and they, when you spend a lot of time with them, you realize you start saying the things that your friends do. No, oh, no. And I realized I picked up a Maddieism. Oh, I have one. I will. Oh, okay. Well, something I've noticed you'll do is you'll just say beautiful like if, <laughs> instead of good or cool or great you'll just say beautiful and i've I've started doing that and i'm like maddie this maddie and i have reached a new level of oh of my god That's which is so funny because you and i have never technically met in person right um but i've picked up i've just started to say beautiful. that is so
1: like funny because my girlfriend pointed that out about me and she started doing the same thing and i forgot i do that oh my god that's too funny. <laughs> That's
0: good. That's good.
1: Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ham Radio Podcast. Uh, I want to apologize. I fucked up last week pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's o'clock. Tentacle- Here's the thing. This episode, I got to jump ahead of the story right away. Episode 310 of Ham Radio is up for eight hours. I was helping my girlfriend move into a new place over the weekend. So for the majority of it, up until Monday night, I was just moving furniture i was not on my phone or anything but it wasn't until 10 30 at night i get a tag from one of my good friends in my discord server um a a patron tags me and then dustin texts me he's like hey dude have you seen the (laughs) comments on ham and when all three of those notifications pop on your phone in like a a 10 minute period i'm like your heart drops i'm like oh my god what happened i was like what like did we say something did we do something i was like i think we're fine and I look and I'm like, I uploaded the wrong fucking episode. And immediately I said to Dustin, I'm like, how the fuck? I'm like, I know what I did. I knew what I did. So let me explain because I feel stupid. So episode 309 is recorded. I render it and I thought it was 310 when I rendered it. And then I realized as late, I was labeling it, I was like, oh, it's 309. I was like, whatever. File name's 310. <laughs> What's that going to do? Then we record 310 the actual 310, take the file, render it. I labeled it, I think, like Final 310 because it was having render issues, so I had multiple files. And I go and grab Episode 310 by file name, which was 309, and boom, up on the YouTube channel. It goes without a second thought, act like it's a whole new episode, and apparently a lot of the audience listened and were like, hey, this is pretty good, but it sounds familiar. Um, That's because you were indeed listening to Episode 309, uh, and by the time I caught wind of it, it was like Tuesday morning I was home, and I couldn't adjust it because we were into our regular content se- schedule. So I apologize to those of you who uh, did not get your video ham radio podcast. I promise that will never happen again. <laughs> but I had to explain all of that uh, just because that was that was pretty fucking wild. Um, but beyond that, Dustin, how are you? I hope I, you're doing smarter well. than me.
0: So, Maddie, I am in the same – I mean, I didn't know until – Let's see. Sunday at ten fourteen PM. Someone messaged me, which I meant to follow up because uh, they sent me a, like a, a DM, hmm. um, and they some someone named Ufer guy. Okay, Ufer guy Uferguy. twenty eight said. Uh, I don't mean to take up too much of your time, but since you're a reoccurring member of Ham Radio, I just thought I should probably let you know that the most recent episode was uploaded is actually the same as last week. (laughs) Uh, They sent it such a nice way. They're like, I don't mean to take up your time. It's like, bro, no, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, when I fuck up like that, take up all my time. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, oh. And that's why I I, I sent you the text. I was like, you should. You should take a look, Maddie. Yeah. Because I didn't realize either until way late. I usually do. That's why it's so
1: hard to peel away sometimes. You're like, what if something happens? And I did. I went all out. Like, I was like, I'm not checking my YouTube app or anything. It's all been handled. I need to focus on this. And I regretted it, man.
0: Dude, Maddie, this is the problem. I think you and I are the same in that, like, I am paranoid constantly of Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
0: fucking up either a podcast Mm -hmm. or something. And so, like, I will schedule stuff. But if I'm around, I will watch it go live. Yeah, same. Um, Even if it's scheduled, I just watch it go live and then check the comments for a few minutes, and then I can let out a sigh of relief and then move on. But
1: Those first, like, 10 thumbs-ups and, like, the first comments, I'm like, all right, cool. All right, we can walk away now. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to Ham Radio Podcast, where we clearly run things in a well-organized way. We hope you all enjoy your stay. We're available on everywhere podcasts are, so... Feel free to subscribe, listen, and with that, let's talk about what we're playing Dustin. Have you been gaming a lot this past week?
0: no, uh oh. yes and no okay. I mean here's the thing. some people go through phases where they like don't they like take a little break for a week or two from gaming. Sure, I don't do that. Yeah, I just so. end up gaming a little less like right now, I'm very into like almost every night Holly and I are watching a show called the Sopranos together in ah. uh, HBO classic. And we're very much enjoying that. And so the stuff that I am fitting in, I'm still playing Plague Tale. I think I'm going to be done with that this weekend. Okay. Um, it's the type of game that you don't want to play for like three hours at a time. You want to play like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. but that's going well. I'm playing demons souls again ah. on my stream over at twitch.tv slash Justin fly. If you'd like to join me, just because I've streamed every Souls game except for Demon's Souls ah, back and to Bloodborne. Roots. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? Let's go back. Let's go back and do Demon's Souls. This is the remake, of course. Yes. And, man, it's very good. It's just very well done. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite Souls game at all. Uh, right. But it's a, it's very good. And Bluepoint just did a fantastic job with they that did. game. You and I, Maddie. Actually, did the spoiler cast for Sacred we Symbols? did. I was going to say that.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, that oh. was a fun episode, and I um I like that game a lot. Yeah, I it's so much shorter than I expected. I remember like when I bought it, thinking like, oh, I'm going to be sinking like 50 hours into this. I don't know where my head was at, but I just thought it was so much longer. And I remember when I beat it, it was at like the 15 hour mark. I went,
0: what? Yeah, no fucking way. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that in this playthrough, see, I used to not when I like when I first. Got uh, introduced and finally got into Souls games. I did co op like regularly Mm. throughout them. And now, when I streamed Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, and uh, well, Sekiro doesn't have co op, but I did no, well, I did very minimal co op. The only time I co opt was the very last boss of Dark Souls 3, and I let two of my viewers beat the final boss with me it was very you know nice moment and it was very hard i probably could have done it but whatever it was a nice moment yeah so this time with demon souls i am not doing any co-op at all and it's actually been slightly easier than i thought but i think that's Mm -hmm. it's not a statement on the game it's that i've gotten better at these games so like the the spider boss in the second world yeah well, first of all, I was doing well on my very first try, and then, then my PS5 froze. And I was uh, like, well. Wow. Oh, no. And then I beat it on the very – so I was like, is this considered a first try? It wasn't my fault that I had to restart. So well, well, I'm considering it a first try. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, you, you, the, the game crapped out on you. You didn't crap out on the game.
0: Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So other than that, though um, – Is this a new game you know, plus run,
1: by the way? Because I think they get – everything scales up more, right? No, yeah, I started fresh.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I just wanted, I don't know, wanted it to be simple and clean, if you know what I'm saying. Just like Kingdom Maddie. Hearts Birth by Sleep. Which, okay, side note, did you see this morning, uh, this morning was the opening ceremony yes. for the Olympics? Yeah, that what was wild. Dude, they had fucking music from Near Replicant, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, they That's had insane. that. That's insane. I think they had Tales of dragon quest kingdom hearts they had the olympus theme i was like are you kidding dude are you kidding me? yeah i
0: couldn't believe that man i was hype i saw that i was hype it dude okay this maddie this is so strange we've talked about not crying like i don't cry at all (laughs) i did not cry this morning but i don't know if it was like i just woke up and i saw i like heard the near music at the olympics and i was like like it almost made me slightly emotional. I don't know why wow. I was thinking about Nier, and I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool! This is getting this recognition yeah. on the world stage." And I did not shed a tear, but I did feel something inside. You know, Interesting. my my cold dark heart felt was moved this morning. Interesting. Yeah. So I was
1: more like, "Oh, nice."
0: Yeah, nice.
1: maybe we'll get a little yeah. persona music in there in the next Olympics,
0: dude. I Dang. know they. They messed up. Yeah. They should have done that. Japan lost. I had that. a question for you though, Matty, to transition into what you've been playing. Okay. I was browsing the PSN store as I do often. I just like to browse around, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I saw a game on there called Ender Lilies. Mm. Have you heard of this game?
1: Yes. Don't know anything I...
0: about it. So okay, wait. It's called Ender. Let me. I'm bringing it up on Steam right now. Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights which is a bit of a weird name okay anyway this game's 25 dollars is has an overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam and it just came to playstation and switch and maybe even xbox i'm not Hmm. positive but it is a uh anime styled 2d hi
1: i'm daniel founder of pretty litter
0: That is supposed to be Metroidvania-esque. Okay. And I am like 100% into what I'm seeing. Anyway, we don't have to talk about it too long. I just didn't know if you played it, and I was looking for a, a recommendation if not. But this might be one that hmm. I almost just want to say fuck it and spend the $25 and just yeah. not really learn anything. And then I can let people know. At, if a, it's...
1: at a quick glance, yeah, it seems like kind of a surprise gem is the consensus. That's what I thought. Um Metroidvania usually can I used to hate Metroidvania growing up. I really did, like just the design of their games, I think was really bad, but now it's starting to get very good whenever I play them. And so like when I hear Metroidvania now, my ears perk up a little bit because I'm like, oh, oh, this could be really good. So I don't know. I would say, I'll say, give it a rip. I'm curious. I'm playing a lot of Indies now and later, so.
0: You're I'm, playing Death's Door, aren't you? I am playing Death's Door. Okay, I got to hear about Door. this.
1: Um, yeah, it's a it's a quick one. It took me eight and beat? a half oh. hours. Yeah, it's um not a long game. You could spend longer in it, um, and once you beat it, you can keep roaming the world, which I did, and, and doing various collectibles and whatnot. Um, there is a true ending that you can get, although I have been told it's not very worthwhile, plus the ending itself is totally fine. Um, so yeah, I've been playing that. So I have a review that will be out for, by the time everyone is listening to this on YouTube and free feeds, it'll already be there. So please check it out. But, um, this game was excellent. It is one of my favorites of the year, wow. which is really nice to say, because I feel like I, I started strong this year. I don't mean to beat a dead horse because I bring up this game a lot, but I started strong this year with Hitman 3. I fucking love Hitman 3. And then for me, it just sort of fell off a cliff. Like, everything else was just woefully below that. Um, You know, there were games I liked. I liked Persona 5 Strikers. But there wasn't anything I quite was like, this is great. Uh, And while I can't say I love Death's Door, I really, really like it. Um, It's it's very minimalist in its design that's what cog and i were talking about on defining duke and it continues throughout the entirety of the game through its art style combat music story its writing it's not very in your face and that's what's strongest about it's not about complexity um it's really about like mastering p- patterns in combat um rather than giving you a million and one moves uh it's about exploring these Beautiful worlds uh, in world spaces, rather, while they're not rich with color across like 50 different colors. You can see it's like, you know, let's slim it down to four or five. Um, Like I said, it's very simple, but that does not mean it's bad. Uh, There's something that's really unique about the game. And I think it's because underneath this all, there's this subtle sorrow tale being told. Uh, And so when I beat it, I mean, I was like, wow, that was that was really, really good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think it doesn't overstay. It's welcome. I think it's well directed, and it's by two people, so that's Whoa. also very impressive. Twenty bucks, uh, well spent. Okay. Xbox console yeah. exclusive, by the way, for those who are curious.
0: Oh fuck you, Maddie. Man. <laughs> oh, exclusive. thank you, we, Phil. Thank you, thank Phil, you Phil, Phil, for paying the rent. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I want to play this. I actually was trying to decide if I if I picked it up if I would buy it on Xbox or on on the personal computer platform. You would Um, like it. See, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to finish Plague Tale. Once I finish Plague Tale, then I can buy something without feeling guilty. Right. So, and then maybe dive into something a little shorter. I got to weigh out. Okay, I'll I'll look at how long this Ender Lilies game is, and Mm -hmm. then you said Death's Store is about eight hours.
1: Yeah, it can go a little longer depending on how much exploration you do. I think it's best to wait till the end because then you have all your tools and you can just go anywhere and you're not really limited in going and, and like what i did i started exploring I was like oh i don't have the fire spell so i need to wait till i unlock that or i don't have the bomb um so yeah i would recommend just you know waiting till then
0: there's not a lot coming out in the month of august i mean there's uh kenna bridge of spirits on august 24th and then the next day psychonauts two as far as like mm-hmm. kind of stuff up our alley i'm excited for that but- one now yeah oh did you were you part of that preview cycle yes oh nice yeah you got to play it
1: yeah i did i played it for about an hour and a half and i was like really into it where i said i'm not even gonna finish the preview i just like that they gave us four hours with the game
0: i saw some people
1: i saw skill up he titled his video he played for five hours i was like i would never do that (laughs) i feel like the game's probably 10 hours um but it was definitely a convincing sample size for me personally
0: right yeah that's that's good um I'm I'm lightly interested, but not big on psychonauts mm-hmm. uh, overall. But I'm not I'm not against it either. It's just one of the things I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, for me,
1: it's I'm looking so forward to the ascent. I, I cannot wait for that game. Um, that was one of my most anticipated of the year. That's I just said it's my most anticipated, but I don't know if it's July 28th or 9th. I'm unsure, but it's coming out very soon, and so I'm in that. Kind of awkward period where I'm in between games, where I finished Death Store, the Ascent is around the corner, too soon to start something new, just far enough away though where I should play something or I want to play something, I should say. Um, so I'm figuring that out. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get back on my League kick for uh,
0: a couple of Man. nights. What? You're disappointed? <laughs> I I forgot that you were a MOBA dork. Love uh, so. MOBAs what about this pokemon moba why don't you check oh, that yeah. out oh
1: dustin dude you just set my weekend plans bro oh my god yes i will thank you very much it's
0: supposed to be pretty good it other looks than, great i mean pretty i've heard that i mean it's pretty microtransactiony but that's of course. expected for a, a free game so it, it doesn't make me mad but. i don't
1: know see the thing is, is like leagues free smites free and they just make you pay for skins and i'm like it's pokemon like of course you can make people pay for that stuff the fact that they put because I did read about that. They put like stat augmenting microtransactions in. That was a mistake, of course, but their I yeah. think second biggest mistake was not putting this game on PC. They put it on phones, they put it on Switch. They didn't put a mobile on PC and I'm like, "Do you realize like Pokémon's the the biggest entertainment IP and you're right. t- you're telling me or highest-grossing. You're telling me that you guys couldn't get this on PC?" I don't know.
0: Yeah. That's probably was Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, that was Had you know be. since they they don't have full control over Pokemon but they do have quite a bit yeah so they probably uh, were like yeah no mm-hmm. don't don't do that
1: I mean if the Switch's <laughs> online connectivity was better then you know I'd be okay with that but it's just not that great at times it's not it's right. not as bad I think Smash really scarred me but they they could be better
0: they do have I'm looking right now because this was somewhere in the back of my brain you can play the pokemon trading card game online yes. on windows and mac uh man how old is this the minimum requirement oh wait it says windows 7 okay that's wow not that old but ancient tech ancient i remember there was some kind of pokemon card game cd rom from like i don't know 2002 that I had that would like show you how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Wait, let's see the original PC version, Pokemon Play It Trading Card Game. Oh man, this is this is unlocking some memory deep inside me now. I'm looking at it on YouTube. Oh man, it's so uh, <laughs> '90s in its design. It's awesome. Okay,
1: dude, yeah,
0: uh, I- that was it. that was exciting.
1: They, they that's like a new Yu-Gi-Oh! game, too, I saw. Like, there's, yeah, there's new, I forgot what it's called, like Master Duels or something like that. Right. And as a Dragon Ball card game fan, I'm just sitting in my corner with my, like, community of 2,000 people tops, just, like, hoping that right. Bandai says, like, we want to lose money, let's make a digital version of this game and hope it grows. Ugh.
0: Dude, I, you know, every once in a while, I get the itch to play a card game, mm and magic
1: arena is great
0: i don't i've never played magic oh, okay. but i have a feeling that if i did i would be super into it it's great I yeah
1: i think arena is best because it's free to play and it doesn't at least when i last played it it doesn't you know put your balls on a string and go like hey pay, give me give me money for new cards i felt like i was able to hop in with like the the free decks and and there was enough progression elements that i could earn my way to cool stuff because Magic as a as a analog card game, you know, playing it in person, very expensive card game. Oh, very. Yeah. I've seen some of the prices, man. I'm like, whoa, y'all are dedicated.
0: Well, dude, it used the last card game that I was very much into was well, card game Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. I was, which I never was like the type of person that spent like a bunch of money on packs. Like I bought some of the expansions and stuff like that, and I think I bought a few packs here and there. But, dude, the, the that game is frustrating because, like, there's metas that get figured out, and then it's like, if you're not mm-hmm. playing the meta, then you might as well not play at all.
1: Like, that's why, um, I could go on a whole tangent, but that's why I really liked Dragon Ball card game is because you would have these rogue decks that were very competitive, and you mm-hmm. could come in, and, and even though someone was playing meta, potentially beat them and it wouldn't be bullshit which was really nice so it was why i fell so deeply in love with the game and covid really killed it it, it just like at least my local community like we had a oh. group of probably like 15 20 people who got together every week to play and now because covid was so damaging to local card stores they don't even sell dragon ball products so no one shows up there to play anymore because they don't give out prizes for it. it's like fuck it sucks man but Yeah, whatever. Anyway, if that's all, we can move into the news. Let's do it. All right, cool. So, first bit of news has to do with EA. EA headlining a show. Here we go. So, two games we're going to talk about primarily are Dead Space and Battlefield. Dead Space is back. The remake is indeed real. Battlefield Portal was announced, and it's this reimagining of old bad company two maps and battlefield three maps and they have nineteen forty two in there. I mean, they really are trying to make twenty forty two this ultimate online battlefield experience. Thought it was an it made no campaign an easier pill to swallow, although I would have liked to see the single player campaign regardless. But Dustin, let's pass it to you right away. Between these two games, what do you want to get
0: into first? Dead space, Battlefield? I feel like we can make Dead Space pretty quick and Quick and yeah. short, because I mean, I think we we already laid out a lot of our hopes and expectations when from the the rumors, but now we mm-hmm. have at least something. Yeah. Um. And so, just for me, real quick, just because I I don't have a ton of attachment to this IP, but uh, it's cool. The fact that it's just a full on remake is good. It's safe, but it's what the what people want. Mm-hmm. So, looks cool. The in engine stuff looked awesome. And I think it was, uh, I was watching uh, Kyle Bossman, who used to be part of Easy Allies. He has his own channel now. He was saying, he's like, Dead Space at this point is iconic. Um, there's many iconic things in that trailer. You see the the creature that, you know, that has like the knife arms or whatever. Yeah, you see him slashers, for a second. Yeah. And you're like, you instantly know that's Dead Space. You see, uh, the, it says like, cut the limbs. Everyone knows like, cutting the limbs, yeah. Dead Space. And then, of course, Isaac, his uh, his HUD on his back, yes. also very iconic at this point. So this is – and this is the actual definition of iconic. Not like Ubisoft when they're like, here's our new Assassin's Creed character <laughs> and their iconic look. It's like, bro, the game's not out yet. Yeah. How can something be iconic that's yeah. not even available? I know. So, Oh, Ubisoft. Yeah. So – but anyway, I think this looks cool. And I think that the fact that it's a remake – is good just because I know that motive a little, you know, maybe a little mixed on, on Mm -hmm. whether or not they can handle this. But the fact that they have a, a base to go off, I think that they are, I'm leaning towards it being good. Uh, maybe great and not bad. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I think it depends how many creative liberties they take. They said they're using, um, resident evil two as a blueprint. And, You know, with Resident Evil 2, I believe being a game in the 90s, the late 90s, I want to say. I could be incorrect on that. I know it was when I was very, very young when I could not have even imagined playing a game like that. But I think that demanded a more drastic evolution where, you know, funny enough, as someone who just played Dead Space 1, um, this was kind of an experience where I went in and said, this has aged pretty well where I don't know how much they need to change. Um, they said they want to remain faithful they being EA motive uh, to, the, to the original property and I wonder just how faithful they'll be for those who don't recall Dead Space 1 had a silent protagonist he was not voiced until Dead Space 2 where they actually had a bigger budget um, Dead Space 1 also has a lot of corridors in the Ishimura uh, which lead to more diverse locations but I wonder how they will handle that also Dead Space 1 had procedural elements And I wonder how they will even try to mimic that. So sometimes a a necromorph will pop out of a, I'd say a window or sometimes a vent. It would be in the same room and you'd know the encounter would be coming, but it's where are they coming from. Right. So I look at those little details there and I think to myself, how truly can EA motive replicate this experience? We will see. Um, I am uh, sort of, Holding, I, I'm very excited because it's real and Dead Space is my favorite survival horror franchise. It always has been. I just I, I love Resident Evil, but this was the one that really clicked for me. I think it's gameplay um, and it's it's story are just so good. At least in the first two games, that it it really had me falling in love with it. Um, and so yeah, I, I like how they um how they how they've presented it. It's next gen only. That was really nice to see. So, when we do see it, it should look stunning, as Dead Space One was a pretty uh significant technical achievement, very minimal load screens, everything happening in game, you know whether it be cutscenes, elevator load times, all that stuff uh never really broke your immersion, so I'm curious to see how they will handle this on next gen hardware
0: yeah that's that's definitely one of the most exciting aspects mm-hmm. you know that um which it's i mean it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's ex- it shouldn't really be exciting, but it's because we're getting so many cross-gen games right now. Which we don't even need to. <laughs> we don't even need to touch that argument right now because yeah. I know that it, uh, you know, fires people up, and that's okay. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, I'm glad that it is next gen only mm-hmm. or current gen only is what we should say. Heck, yeah. techn- yeah.
1: until they. F- I-, I-, I remember someone corrected me. It was like 2014. Someone corrected me because I said next gen in regards to the PS4 and Xbox One. And they're like. It's current gen, get it right, and I'm like, until these companies in mass commit, that is when it is the to me the current generation of consoles that they are building yeah. for. They are not next, but that that logic could be pot- it's justifiable logic. Yeah, I was gonna say you could poke a hole through it, but I think I can I can stand on this hill and 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 make a good way. defense.
0: Right. It doesn't really. I mean, uh, I think that's justifiable logic. Um, I would I would agree with it. I think. Hell yeah, you would. But I don't know. I feel like still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk Battlefield. We got Battlefield Portal
1: it. revealed. Like I said, they're bringing back some of the maps of Bad Company Two, Battlefield Three, Twenty Four, or um, um Nineteen Forty Two. Are you a fan of any of these games where this uh this moment here was significant for you,
0: Maddie? I feel like a, a Battlefield tourist mm-hmm. in that. Almost all of these games, I come to visit. I stay maybe a week or two. I have a great time. And then I leave, and I never come back. So I'm aware of these games, but I'm not uh, extensively familiar. I know that I played Battlefield 4 uh, a decent amount, and 3 even I played uh, some of. Right. Some of the older ones, like the the original World War II ones, I did not play. So... But this is an interesting idea to kind of get this uh, this crossover of sorts mm-hmm. going. Um, but interesting, dude. When I saw Battlefield Portal, I was like, Are they partnering with Valve? Yeah, like, wh- <laughs> I thought the
1: same thing. Yeah,
0: but yeah. So, so what are your thoughts? Are you a longtime fan, or did you play any of these?
1: Yeah, yeah. I played Bad Company two and three pretty extensively. Like, could I name off maps and weapons right now? No, because it's been. I mean, battlefield three, I played so much, but that was my junior year of high school. So I was 16, 17 at the time. That was a decade ago. So it has been some time. (laughs) I know it's fucking horrible to say, but it really has been. So, um, you know, I, I adore that game though. I spent countless hours with it. I remember the, the bizarre map. I remember the, um, the Metro station map. I really liked, uh, Bad Company 2, though, was the one that broke me off of Call of Duty, so I just have pure nostalgia for that game. One of the maps I remember fondly was actually one of the ones they showed. It was the kind of tropical island one with all the different huts. I also remember a snowy map with, like, a construction site of some kind. And the destruction in Bad Company 2 was just wild, so I hope they can replicate that to some extent here. Um, But they also showed off, like, custom modes where you could mix and match, like, different factions, like the Battlefield 3 Marines and the— 2042, or uh, I keep saying 2042, 1942 uh, like German soldiers and just have them like attack each other. Uh, I thought that was kind of wild in its own right.
0: Yeah. That's always fun. I like it when these games let you experiment. It actually kind of um, I don't think it'll be to this extent, but I remember playing a game growing up called Operation Flashpoint. Oh my Which is now God. called Arma. Do you know that
1: game? Yeah, I remember. He- my friend loved that game dragon so, rising or something like that was one of them
0: that was so dragon rising is when they tried to bring the series back under a different developer and it was fucking terrible oh he liked that game um, so oh that's a major that is, l for my friend patrick don't dude really that talk game much. funny story about dragon rising i bought that game and it was very very buggy at launch hmm. and one of my friends who also bought it uh said hey Uh, GameStop is allowing people to return this game today uh, and give you a full refund. So if you go, if you decide you don't want this, and I was like, it's a little buggy, but I'm also not really enjoying it. So I returned it and put my money down on Modern Warfare 2. That was a great choice. That was (laughs) was a a great
1: choice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Holy crap. Here's the thing with Modern Warfare 2 is a lot of people always forget, right? Like nowadays we look back fondly. You'll see the pictures people post at the lobbies and go like kids wouldn't survive in this nowadays. I do think there's some truth in that. But people forget how fucking broken that game was on a balance oh. level. The one-man army, danger close noob tubes. Have we forgotten so quickly the kill streaks, like harrier strikes that just sat there and mowed you down? Have we forgotten all of that? It was such a broken, imbalanced mess. It was great, but it was balanced horribly. It was, yeah, it was terrible in that regard. But no one ever talks about it. I think it's because the trash talk was just so fantastic in that game that everyone remembers one battle they've had with another random. Right, dude. Have you ever, real quick, have you ever thought of this? Because I was playing League last night, and I was thinking about this, right? Like, I'll have, like, you know, I'll make a bad play, and someone will, like, trash talk me. Have you ever thought with, you know, how small this world is? Maybe you're going to a Walmart or something. You know, Dustin's picking out some, some Gatorade for his house. You ever think if you've passed these people in life that have shit talk you, even maybe you drive by mm. them. Have you ever thought of that?
0: I've never thought of that. Okay. I thought
1: I'm just weird. I guess. Well, I
0: have thought of people. I was like, maybe there's people that listen to either this show or sacred symbols or whatever. And they don't, they've never seen what I look like. And so maybe I've, I've passed someone who listens to the content. They had no idea. <laughs> something
1: like that. Yeah, Sure. We have enough um, mobile listeners where our, I imagine that's very well possible.
0: Dude, it was so when we started doing video for uh, Last Stand. So many people were like, "I had no idea Chris looked like that." Oh like, my god, Chris is like a well-known YouTuber. Like you've never, <laughs> yeah. you never bothered to like check out any of his stuff <laughs> or anything. But like, you know, whatever. Cheaper. So, where were we going with it? Oh, uh, yeah, I uh, think
1: you were talking about Dragon Rising. You picked up MW two.
0: So Operation Flashpoint. There was a level editor and you a mission creator. So, like, I would go in and, like, create, like, a bunch of soldiers and then, like, set them on attack and then, you know, drop a tank on their head or whatever. (laughs) This is, like, probably completely different than Battlefield Portal. But uh, it it scratched that part of my brain that was like, "Mm, you could probably do some fun experimental Mm -hmm. stuff.
1: I wish I took to that type of stuff more. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I gravitated to like when I think Forge in Halo was the only time I did and even then I didn't go crazy with Forge but these level creators, mission creators I think Doom had one, Doom 2016 had one, I forget what it was called right. um, I
0: think was it was called Snap Map? Oh. Was that what it was? Snap Map, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah there was um a lot of these mission creators and stuff that look great like Mario Maker is a game based around that i wish i could get into those and um i just never could
0: yeah it i'm not into mario maker because i'm too dumb i think to make an actual good level i I could figure it out like i'm just not naturally inclined to do something like that and anything i did in any of these games is just like totally stupid in fact there's (laughs) a game on game pass called totally accurate battleground simulator oh yeah tabs yeah and so that game's like the same thing. Like, you can put, like, a bunch of cowboys versus wizards or whatever and, like, lay them out on a battlefield and then just let them fight. <laughs> just a fun little – it's like a, almost like a toy more than a game. Yeah. But it's still – it's entertaining nonetheless.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so Battlefield 2042 looking fantastic. Looking forward to playing it this fall. It's going to be a fun FPS fall between that and Halo. And so I'm excited to see both of them and how they turn out. But that's all I have to say on Battlefield.
0: Dustin, you have anything more to add? No, I um I'll definitely be resubscribing to EA Play on PC for a month <laughs> to check out Battlefield. And maybe if I like it, maybe I'll just buy it. But we'll see.
1: I respect your ability to, you know, not full commit when the launch comes and be no, I just, and be frugal.
0: I know myself that like any major other than, I mean the only recent example or think something that breaks that example is Destiny. I'll play it for a month or two max. So I'm better off spending $30 on EA Play for two months than mm-hmm. 60 on the entire game. You're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Me, I'm just like, get on my shelf in my collection. Oh, yeah, because you'll be playing it on either Xbox or PlayStation, right? Like I don't console?
1: know. No, probably Battlefield I'll actually play on PC now that I think about Ooh, it. Yeah, now that I do think about it, that would be the best way to go, especially because – I sent you the PC I'm looking at I will be investing soon.
0: I meant to follow up on that. Cause I actually talked to Jimmy and had him look at it too. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. He told me it looks the good. short answer.
1: Yeah. yeah. He, he told me that too. Cause I DM him about something. Cause I think I forgot to answer him cause I was helping Laley And he was just like, by the way, Dustin sent me your PC. He's like, it looks really good, man. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's the convincing point I needed. So yeah, I, I think I'm going to pull the trigger on it this, uh, this weekend.
0: Now, Maddie, you mentioned me at Walmart, shopping around picking up some Gatorade did you see here that I'm drinking actually this uh propel no I (laughs) did which is funny because I was gonna say you were getting like crackers
1: and chips but I was like no Dustin you're getting a drink
0: I uh I have not had this since probably like 2005 or something (laughs) but they had it at Aldi and I'm trying to I'm I'm like 100% honest with the audience here. I'm trying to lose some pounds before the live event because I just know sure. it's going to be on video. People are going to want to take photos, and I want to be able to look at them and be like, okay, I was where I wanted to be. Whereas opposed to yeah. right now where I'm just like slightly chonkier than I want to be. All right. I'm not overweight. I'm just, I, I can feel I'm a little little chonkier than I want right. to be. Right. So I'm
1: going to get jacked up. for Live Stand Media Live for sure. Dude,
0: let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some guys in the Last Stand Discord that are like organizing a, a Saturday exercise thing. Are you kidding um, me?
1: Oh my! Because
0: it's part of our fit, the fitness channel. I think they're doing something like that. Oh my so, gosh! Um, That's amazing. I will not be joining that. But anyway, I picked up this Propel and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Like this shit's Propel's awesome. Underrated.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, not not sponsored, of course. I feel like it's necessary to say that. Does, does, can we get a Propel sponsorship though? I, I mean, would not be against that. I like Propel, their drinks. And, uh, you know put food Dude, Gatorade on my is good too. Gatorade is uh, every once in a while. It's dude, hot day. Let's say uh, like you're working outside, maybe right. mowing the grass. A glacier freeze Gatorade. Ooh.
1: For me, it's a it sick hits. drink. When I'm sick, Gatorade is is my oh. savior. Yeah, I just grab it can't Gatorade. help with
0: headaches. The potassium yeah i don't know what
1: it is for me it just i think it's mine over matter i just have some gatorades yeah. and i'm in a better spot mentally i'm like i'm doing i'm okay. doing a thing for my body to treat it well to recover and mm. it's nice it's probably the electrolytes that are in it. who knows right the sugar maybe <laughs> i
0: i sounded like such a moron a few years ago i have a friend who is like a legit scientist uh and i was telling you like i was like oh gatorade you know they they say electrolytes that's just like a made up marketing word. And he's like you moron. Like an electrolytes are a real thing. I'm like really? He's like yeah, it means the electricity can conduct I I don't know. He explained it to me and I was like okay, I don't know how it's good for your brain, but apparently it is a real thing. It's not a marketing word. That's why. That's so funny. Because <laughs> I just I knew it was real when I was a kid. So just the thought that you were I like... was just like what the fuck is an electrolyte? Yeah. I mean literally okay, it does sound buzzwordy it does have that energy to it right because you do hear stuff like that that's like oh this has some some kind of essence or whatever Mm -hmm. in it which i guess that's it's like the the shampoo when they're like
1: no parabens i'm like what is a fucking paraben i'm gonna be honest like is is that my electrolyte like do i is this something that i'm unaware of like i understand when they say no maybe i want a paraben yeah right like i like i you know who knows what we're talking about at this point but like you know i if i they say no animal testing i'm like yeah i'll I'm way more into your product. But like when sure. every shampoo says like no parabens, I'm like, what is a, I'm going to look it up. What is a paraben? Now is my chance. Cause I always forget when I'm in the shower, paraben, parabens are a class of widely used preservatives in cosmetic and pharmaceutical products. Chemically, they are a series of parahydroxybenosates or esters of parahydroxybenzoic acid. So they're, pr- they're mm. preservatives and formulas. So they'll fuck up your hair, I guess
0: is the idea. Okay, now, I, can, I can see how that that would be something I don't want. No, yeah, we recently uh, we were using this tea tree oil shampoo. Like, I just use Holly shampoo because I don't give a fuck about buying my own. So we just I respect buy like that. A I'm so
1: like particular about my shit. At times,
0: for shampoo, I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> Apparently, the kind we bought, uh, it's like a sub Johnson and Johnson brand, and there's potentially a class action lawsuit that it like <laughs> creates formaldehyde or whatever um so yeah we threw that away yeah but it's still on sense. shelves like it's it's like debatable or something but anyway what are we talking about here
1: yeah that reminds me of i saw a commercial about muffins there's apparently something in prepackaged muffins that's uh there's a there's a recall for them i saw it on the news oh yeah yeah so don't buy muffins all right let's actually get into the next bit of news Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about Activision here because this past week there was a pretty significant lawsuit sent their way from the state of California. Uh, It is a very long write up um, and not that I don't want to give it the time, but more so I want to make it concise as we try to do with this show. Um, So it's it's very crazy. Keep that in mind. Um, The motto for Activision as a company is every voice matters. Um, and so I'm just going to read three snippets. Uh, you can go to Bloomberg Law to find the entirety of this available for you to read. But I think these, uh, these write-ups here do kind of paint the picture of, of what may be occurring. Um, so let's get it start. First example here is it's a, at number 48. In a tragic example of the harassment that the defendants allowed to fester in their offices, a female employee committed suicide while on a company trip due to a sexual relationship that she'd been having with her male supervisor. The male supervisor was found by the police to have been brought a butt plug and lubricant on this business trip. Another employee confirmed that he has um, that the deceased female employee... May have been suffering from other sexual harassment at work prior to her death. Specifically, at a holiday party before her death, male co-workers were alleged to have be passing around a picture of the deceased's private parts, we'll say. Right. Number 46... Female employees almost universally confirmed that working for the defendants being Activision was akin to working in a frat house, which invariably involved male employees drinking and subjecting female employees to sexual harassment with no repercussion. Cube crawls in the defendant offices were common and male employees proudly came to work hungover. Similarly, male employees would play video games during work, engage in banter about their sexual encounters, openly talk about female bodies and made numerous jokes about rape. As a product of this frat boy culture, Women were subjected to numerous sexual encounters and advances, groping and unwanted physical touching and other forms of harassment. A female employee noted that random male employees would approach her on defendant's work site and comment about her breasts. Female employees working for the World of Warcraft team noted that male employees and supervisors would hit on them, making derogatory comments and otherwise engaging in demeaning behavior. This behavior was known to by supervisors and indeed encouraged by them, including a male supervisor openly encouraging a male subordinate to buy a prostitute to cure his bad mood. Last set of examples just to nail it home. In another example, a female employee who worked at Blizzard Entertainment was assigned to a lower-level denied equal pay and passed over for a promotion despite multiple factors that suggested, one... She had I'm sorry that suggested she earned it one highly rated performance reviews Two, she generated significantly more revenue in her marketing campaigns than her male counterpart and three she ran almost twice as many campaigns as her male counterpart despite her accomplishments her male counterpart was invited to have a monthly or weekly one on one meetings with the vice president she was not afforded the same opportunities and unsurprisingly was passed over for a promotion in favor of her male counterpart last one number 37 similarly other female employees at blizzard entertainment were assigned to lower level roles denied equal pay and further delayed or passed over for promotion in favor of male counterparts who lacked the same experience or qualifications but who were friends with the male head of the unit a newly promoted male supervisor delegated his responsibilities to his now female subordinates in favor of playing call of duty other male supervisors supervisors sorry would refuse to communicate with female employees going to their male counterparts for information. So those are just some I wanted to highlight. There are plenty more in this California lawsuit. It's pretty disgusting. Um, Dustin, I just want to dish it off to you. Uh, right. I, I know the answer is obvious, but of course, just a set of the conversation. What do you make of all this?
0: Right. So um, I'm going to see if I can try to say this effect- more effectively than I did on Sacred Symbols. Sure. Um so we often hear about accusations in the games industry, mm-hmm. um, and I do strongly believe that all accusations should be heard and investigated yep. uh, for sure. Um, sometimes that leads to things, uh, desirable outcomes, in the fact that either uh, the accusations were true, people were removed, and people can move on good yeah sometimes though those investigations can lead to those things not being true and then but Mm. a lot of times online that doesn't matter to people um which you know there's could something to be said about corruption or whatever and that may be true but i don't know what it's it's like one of those things where it's like i don't know Uh, Are we supposed to boycott the entire company? Like, I I guess – and some people are saying that in terms of, like, Ubisoft. Anyway, where I'm trying to get with this is that this is a little bit different uh, to me at least because Mm -hmm. this is the fucking state of California suing Activision Blizzard uh, with a long list. And so the question here is – will you know some of these accusations are going to be very hard to prove um just as far as court goes so to me i'm wondering like does that mean they are like pretty fucking confident in winning and so they're willing to go through with this Mm -hmm. and if so that that's i mean that's that's crazy um i mean it's crazy in a bad way just that Uh, Obviously, the the hopeful outcome is that changes happen and that people are removed and, uh, you know. Here's the the thing I think that, and this is what Chris said, is that let's say uh, 75% of this is wrong. Okay, just as a hypothetical. Right. That would be a, a gross amount to get wrong. But even let's just say the 25%, it's still very fucked up.
1: Yeah it's well right? said. Yeah.
0: So I uh, you know, I'm I'm glad this is going to court. Yeah. So people can uh and you know, get this thoroughly investigated and people either, you know, I don't know what the I, I guess the the damages would be that Activision Blizzard would have to pay out a bunch of money in fines mm-hmm. um and and such, but I yeah. don't know, man. This one this one's it's very very it's very rough. It is, um,
1: for sure. It's a delicate topic, right? And um, you were totally correct on the idea that this is different. And I think it's right. genuinely because of the way it was unveiled, right? This wasn't a tweet. This wasn't like a social media type of thing. This was a lawsuit from the state of California. I did see our friend Hoaglaw said that sometimes California is a bit more aggressive um, in their lawsuits. Sure. So that is something also worth keeping in mind. But like I think Chris literally put it perfectly, even if 20 percent of this is accurate, there's still some really fucked up stuff in here where you just can't pick and choose. I, I really don't think you can. Sure. Um, and I you know, it's really hard to, to to say anything original because I think you put it so well, Dustin, um, just that, um, you know, it's good. It's going to a court of law. It's you know, I, I to get that justice if that is the path um, and to make sure it's just thoroughly investigated Um, this is what needs to happen Um, I know that Jason Schreier had followed up saying that he had heard that the workplace culture for Activision had been told, I shouldn't say heard, heard sounds more sources say, but he had been directly told that the workplace culture was bad, we've heard this in Ubisoft, although as far as we know with Ubisoft it wasn't leading to like people committing suicide Um, it was still really bad. Seems to be a really bad problem across the industry. Um, and that's where I sort of get frustrated with it is, you know, I mean, okay, this is going to sound very preachy. So I, I, I do apologize because I know how it sounds, but the way I look at it is like, is it that hard? And when I say, is it that hard to be good to one another? Like some of the things that we read about this Activision thing, some of the things I went through, I'm like, that's deliberately evil right and i'm saying you got to be a right. fucking angel man we're all human we're all flawed but really like i mean is it really that hard and it's it's so discouraging um and i imagine this is not good for the industry in more than one way but to me the the, the most prominent way is who the fuck would want to work here when you read those types of things
0: right this is something i've thought about i mean to opens up a little wider maddie you talked about sure. how it's like this is blatantly evil and you like how could people do this um and they are people that work in our industry so they're kind of our peers in a way uh i mean we're a little outside we're not in the game development scene but we are in the inter- games industry at large and it's um it's uh it's fa- fascinating is not the right word because that makes us have a positive slant but it's always been interesting to me to be like You know, the people you and I surround ourselves with, I mean, not that everyone, no one's perfect, Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine anyone in our circles doing something like this. Right. And then you hear about an entire workplace culture that is just, if these accusations are true, Mm -hmm. which that's something that's very important to me, which I know that many people disagree or not disagree, but just not like my mindset. And then I'm like, okay, they're innocent until proven guilty. Um, not that I'm going to, like, lay out the red carpet for them, but no, I think it's important that, that, that they get fair. their day in court, of course. Yeah, I agree. But it's, it's just uh, – it's crazy to think that this type of culture could exist. I'm just – I don't know. I think about uh, – it's so much of a smaller scale, but, like, our work culture for Last Stand Media, like, no one has ever cussed somebody out. At last, damn yeah. you. like there's been like, you know, people like, oh, yeah, you need to do this or you forgot this. We need to do this in the future. Like no one's ever. I mean, sure. People get frustrated, but like yeah. no one's ever been treated uh, with disrespect. I don't think at least I, I always try no, to like you know, my even experience, the... now, Right. So it's just amazing to me to be like, man, it's it goes. Maybe it's easier for those things to happen when there's more people i think involved. so yeah there's just
1: more to keep track of and and more places where you you can't see dark things happening if they truly are happening which i, I think this is to me this is a case where where there's smoke there's fire and i do think sure. it's more plausible just once again given the way it has been presented i think is is pretty major in that um or you know, of course they should have their day in court but i see it and i'm like That first one I read, we don't need to get back into it. The first one I read, I'm like, that's a pretty fucking messed up thing, man. I don't know who – someone – like, I don't know – like, shit, man. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know how you can make something like that up. It's very specific. Um, Right. And – so, of course, we'll, we'll we'll keep a watchful eye on this, but I did want to make sure we, we we spotlighted it and shared our thoughts on it and just overall the status of the industry and how there does need to be changed. You know, we saw the whole hold Ubisoft accountable thing, which goes all the way to the top with Guillemot and um, sort of the workplace culture that he's established. And we'll see if the same thing happens to Bobby Kotick. Um, you know, how much the responsibility falls on him for the workplace culture his studios have established, although Activision is very much far-reaching. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty sad story. Once again, Bloomberg Law, if you want to read the entirety of the, the write-up, which there which is much more uh, awful stuff in there, but just wanted to give it some attention here. So we'll move on to our next one, Dustin. I know your time is winding down, correct?
0: Yeah, I wanted to... Real quick for the audience. I I feel bad. Last week I had to leave a little bit early because of the tickets, which, by the way, we sold out. Thank you, everybody. And then today I'm going for a meeting with Ben to the venue. So normally it's weird. Normally my Fridays would be clear, but this this event stuff has kind of filled it up. So my apologies. It is okay.
1: You give us your time every week, and I appreciate it.
0: I have about eight minutes so maybe we can just blitz through or whatever or we can start this next one i can give my two cents yeah. and be on my merry way yeah i
1: mean this is a pretty quick one we may be able to, to finish it out in that eight minute window A uh, dragon age four so ea play mm-hmm. comes and goes we saw a battlefield we saw a dead space we got into those already there were some omissions that were announced prior to the event so those were the likes of star wars games were not going to be announced or shown off And Bioware was a notable omission. They said they would not be there with anything relating to Dragon Age or Mass Effect. And so people started to wonder a little bit, like, where is Dragon Age at? And then Jeff Grubb released a report detailing on VentureBeat what's going on. And the long and short of it is that Dragon Age 4 is on track. Its development's actually going well. And it's set for a 2023 release, where in 2022 we will start to hear about it more. Now, Dustin, I have some thoughts. Of course, this is Bioware, my babies, but I want to dish it off to you. For time's sake, what do you think of, of Dragon Age 4 and EA giving them the time, right? We saw Dragon Age Inquisition in 2015, so it's been quite a while, Inquisition 2017, and then, of course, Anthem 2019.
0: Right. I think that mm, there's, I think there's probably fault on both ea and bioware yes on this in the fact that uh i mean anthem obviously a massive screw up before Mm -hmm. that mass effect andromeda massive screw up (laughs) and then there was talk about this dragon age game being, being some kind of multiplayer element they have backpedaled and so that's going to cause delays and so In my mind, which I know nothing about, I don't have any kind of insider knowledge. I'm not even following this story this closely. This feels like a situation where, like, EA and BioWare have, like, a common understanding, like, yeah, we've made some mistakes. Mm -hmm. Let's do this one right. 2022 is already probably going to be a banging year because of COVID delays, and so a lot of stuff is going to come out. Why not just let it cook for now?
1: Yes, exactly my thoughts. Um we we have not seen this for quite some time. Now, here's the problem, right, is BioWare has mismanaged themselves for multiple projects. That's why Legendary Edition, while it's just a remaster package, was an achievement because it's like they did it in a year and a half. And they got it right. right. They needed that small win, that momentum for the studio. It, it is intangible, I understand, but I cannot emphasize how much they needed it. Um, And so to hear that development is going smooth, something that we have not heard for the likes of their last multiple games, of course, Legendary Edition withstanding, very, very good because I think 2022 would have been too soon. If I heard 2022, I would have went, oh, shit, you know, they're going to – we're going to have a – if we got it soon, I feel like you would have that feeling that Avengers has where when you play it, you can feel this was – a live service game, and it was also a single-player game, and they just released it. We're now with more time in the oven, I think it will feel more like a single-player Dragon Age game as it should. Uh, which right. I, don't, I feel a little uncomfortable being like, yay, it's going to feel like what it should. But given their recent drive for, we want to do a live service game, and EA seeming to have their hands in that cookie jar. Uh, Now understanding the value of single player games, thank you, Jedi Fallen Order. I feel a little bit more encouraged by this for the for the first time in a while. Like a new Bioware game, I'm like, all right, I'm feeling, I'm feeling
0: like they might get this one. Right, Maddie, can you? You know, as a fan of Dragon Age, Mm -hmm. can you still fucking believe that that game won Game of the Year? (laughs) Inquisition,
1: no. Now, you know, it's funny. Is I remember reading Jason Trivers' report, and they were pissed. They were pissed when it won game of the year, apparently. They, because they, they, especially when it sold well and, and reviewed well, they were really angry because they didn't want to do Frostbite. They wanted a the game to bomb so they wouldn't have to work on Frostbite anymore. And the game did really yeah. well. And so all their other future projects were put on Frostbite. That's the one thing. I don't know if that's been reported, but if this game is on Unreal, I'm like, they're back. I'm like, they're, they'll be fine. If they are able to do an Unreal game, I would, I would scream because i know they wouldn't have to fight through 90 percent of the bullshit that killed two of
0: their games so wait okay here are the competitors for game of the year dragon age inquisition (laughs) bayonetta 2 dark souls 2 Uh. hearthstone and middle earth shadow of mordor
1: that's um that was 2014 that was a pretty weak year right so yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of... I almost would pick Dragon Age Inquisition out of that punch. I didn't uh, like many of those. Shadow of Mordor, probably. I, I like that a yeah, lot. I got the platinum for that game.
0: That one was cool. I'm looking at the other games that just were in random, uh, random uh, categories. I would put, okay, Wolfenstein, The New Order. That was a good game. Uh, Mm. But, dude, this was before Witcher 3 came out even. Holy shit. It won most, Witcher 3 won most anticipated game that year. Okay. Actually, you know what? Best game of that year, Shovel Knight. Fuck it. We're declaring it right here, or at least I am. Yeah,
1: Shovel Knight was great. All right, so there's a report from Segment Next, which is that, yeah. Oh, no, this comes from, Jason Schreier, that he says, I believe the response to that question was that it would take longer to start from scratch on Unreal for Dragon Age 4 than it would to stick with what they've got. Mm. So it sounds like they are rolling with frostbite. I mean, I guess at this point, you know, after two failed games, maybe they know all the, the tripwires of the program sure. where, where they may not get hung up on stuff, but that's just like, oh, my God, here we go. An RPG on Frost by Engine. We'll see. But um I'll be talking about this in a video as well. So right. I'll share my thoughts there. But that's all I've got to say for Dragon Age. So Dustin. I'm you, out. Yeah,
0: you've done now, it. Maddie. Last week I had I also did the thing where I, I'll leave I can leave the call going. Oh uh, yes. Oh my God, I keep yeah. forgetting that. Yeah, you'll no have problem. to.
1: Yeah, otherwise I'll disappear. Yeah. We're we're only getting to the patron questions now.
0: So <laughs> That's right. So I mean, once you, I end the I'm... call,
1: it'll 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 pop you out eventually. So
0: Right. Yeah, it's no problem. It's no problem at all. All right, cool. Okay. Uh Maddie, you have a fantastic day. Thank audience, you. thank you. Uh sorry I have to leave early again as I said. Venue, uh going to check it out. Get the layout yeah. uh figured out and stuff. We S- Ben and I've been the... there, but we want to we haven't been there in the context of thinking about this event. Of so. course. We're gonna Well, best of luck. So. Looking forward to, Thank you, you. to hearing how it went. Cool, dude. All right, talk to you later. All right, peace out. All
1: right. So it's me and Dustin's lonely room. And let's get into the patron questions now to wrap up this show. All right, so our first one comes from Skuma Vendor. All right. Here we go. Afternoon, fellas. My long-winded question starts with a response to Straw Hat Ninja's question from last week. I think one character who did stand out in an MMO for me was definitely Sir Caldwell from ESO. While the original cast of ESO are all very good, Caldwell hits different as he's voiced by John Cleese, who is kind of a national treasure here in England. I remember when he showed up to, hit, to Fable 3 as well. Well, not a great game, but good. Fable 3 has to this day one of the most impressive casts in a game to me. It was filled with people who aren't known for video games such as Simon Pegg. So, my question is, who is your favorite cameo of someone in a video game who isn't normally in video games? P.S. Maddie, you can't answer with yourself from Oddworld. Have some modesty. Thanks. Love, Skoom. This is a, a tough question for me to answer because I don't know many actors and actresses as it is. Um, and I only know video game voice cast names because that's where I'm at, right? Like we know in this, in this lovely, uh, this lovely show that my movie knowledge or lack thereof is consistently exposed. <laughs> and this is one of those moments where it's like a cameo of an actor. I know. Cause I, like, I think of cyberpunk and I'm like, is that really a cameo? Like, I like, I like Keanu Reeves, like. That's a cool little moment there. I'm going to say Liam Neeson, though, is the dad in Fallout 3. I mean, I don't know if that would be a cameo. That's a full-on character. Um, But Liam Neeson has such a great voice. I'm surprised he doesn't do more games. And I think that was such an awesome casting decision by uh, Bethesda Game Studios. And I know it's probably one that a lot of you are familiar with. But it's it's one that sticks with me, I would say. I mean, I like Liam Neeson. I like his work. and, And he... Not only in movies, but he serves an iconic role in gaming uh, as the dad in Fallout Three. So that'd probably be that probably be my pick. I think it's a fair one. I don't know. The audience will let me know certainly if it's not. But that would be my selection as someone who has very limited movie knowledge. The Grimblade writes in. He's got background before the question, and then the actual question. I love how this is formatted. He's got in bold background before the question. Nexus mods is increasing the cost of their subscription service ahead of their mod collection feature that allow you to install a list of mods with one click. The Nexus subscription gives uncapped download times and allows you to use automated downloads like the mod collection system. I understand the need to increase prices to keep the site running, but the price increase is dramatic and they are simultaneously getting rid of the lifetime subscription option. The change is occurring August 3rd, 15 days after the announcement. When you mod a game, usually you don't mod your game that often. You mod it and stick with the same mods for a few months. So this is going to impact a lot of players who currently mod as well as those who'll be coming in as new players trying to use mod collections. They knew this was not going to go over well as they disabled comments on the announcement for this. Now to the actual question. What is the right way to announce that your long-standing subscription service is getting a price increase? How could they have better handled this? So this is actually tough because... As a business, they want to operate in an area where they're probably – maybe even it's not a, a matter of we need to keep the site running. It's costing more to keep the site running unless they hired more staff and, and these mod collection features have have eaten up more data space that they, they required spend more money on the site. I don't know, right? I don't know their financial. But that aside, of course, they need to operate as a business and make more money. So you want to make sure that's your priority as a business, but you also don't want to disrupt your consumer. I think the right way to do it is to make it where that new thing you're presenting is almost irresistible. So for me, mod collections actually sound appealing because you don't have to worry about, does this mod break that mod? And did I install this mod right? Is it in the right order? It sort of gets rid of the hassle for someone like myself who mods, but I'm not in my Fallout folders every couple of months. Like I know some of the audiences. So this could speak to certain people, but I think they don't recognize their audience are people like I'm talking about who are in there consistently, like Fallout's their game, Skyrim's their game, and they are just chipping away, modding it consistently. So I feel like part of it is what you're offering the consumer. You know, I feel like Game Pass, if they went Hey, we're rolling in Uplay, but we got to charge you an extra two bucks a month. Then it's like, okay, well, you're offering me a new suite of Uplay Plus, I should say. So it's all the Ubisoft games. So it's like dozens and dozens and dozens. And I know not a lot of people are crazy about Ubisoft. We just talked about earlier in the show, but just given the connection of rumors, figured it's worth using as an example. Um, I feel like that could maybe make people go, okay, I'll keep my subscription around. You guys have added EA Play. You're adding Uplay now all these day one games plus first party. like, Okay, sure. I don't mind paying that extra couple of bucks. I think if your service has proven itself, the thing that with Nexus is you can use it very easily for free. Right. And I feel like they were always sort of squeezing you a little bit, which is why there was likely this rebellion based off systems they had in place initially. So I think of the download times, I, you know, I, I'm i sorry. You will never catch me paying for extra download speeds on your website ever. I like Nexus, but I would never have paid them because I think it's such a cheap way to get my money. I look at, like, MMOs. Like, even Star Wars The Old Republic does this where you can't sprint to level 10 unless you're paying. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not fucking paying you now. You're going to make sure I can't sprint for 10 levels? I, watch my endurance now. You thought, you thought I couldn't run for that long. I can. Um, so... I think a lot of it is about how you've initially treated your customers, um, what you're offering afterwards. How could they have better handled this? Um, instead of disabling comments, of course, I would always suggest, hey, why don't we you know, roll it back, let's have a communication with our audience, take that feedback into account. I don't know what the audience is saying um, and see if you could find a happy medium there. The issue is that once you, as a company, right – Once you fall back, you've given the consumer the high ground, which I just, I feel like most companies do not want to do. So once you give the consumer the high ground, let's say you come back and go, all right, look, here's actually how we're doing it. And this is better. You feel it's better, right? And if your consumer goes a second time, like, no, this isn't it. And God forbid it's worse. It's like, well, now we've really fucked up because now you've lost customers. Now you look stupid too. So sometimes I feel like it's best to announce it even if it's not the best way and just roll with the punches because there is that company-wide mentality of they'll eventually accept it, right? They'll eventually get over it Um, because a crime here isn't being committed. They're just increasing the price of their service and less people will sign up. Um, So that's kind of the long-winded thought process I have on it. I think values at the end of the day what they're speaking to. Um, and I feel like it goes back to what they treat their free customers like, and they have a site that hosts these great mods. But when I go to download them, they take forever. Their mod manager was really sloppy. I mean, people were making separate mod managers within the mod manager. So to me, it's like, well, you, you have a great product, but at the same time, there were clear flaws with it where I would not have ever paid you. And I'm someone who run, ran a career. For many years, strictly off games that kept that site afloat, right? Like all Bethesda games constantly. Um, So I just look at that and think it starts there. Um, But it doesn't mean that when you add those features in and you ask someone to pay for it, I think at that point, price points pretty important too. But that's obvious. So thank you for writing in Grimblade. Green or not Green Eggs and Ham. uh, Cody Richter writes in saying, hey, Green Eggs and Ham. How do you guys decide what platform you play your games on? Do you assign certain genres to specific consoles? Do you prefer playing on one over the other? Obviously, Game Pass makes it easier to play most games on Xbox or PC. But when purchasing a new cross-platform game, where is your go-to system to play them? So there's a... I call it the trophy aura. There's certain games I look at and go, I think I'd want to get trophies for that. So Hades is a good example Of a game where art style and camera perspective are so, for me, major in determining where I want to play a game. And it's also the type of game. So let's bounce around a little bit. We talked about Hades, camera, and art style. For me, I'm like, give me a handheld experience for that. Then you go to something like Dragon Quest Builders. Very Zen-like game. Not high action, there is combat and stuff, but it's not gonna like really make you sweat or try hard. It's about building and creating these rooms and enjoying the music. That's a handout experience to me. It's like I want my feet kicked up for that. Then we start to get into the double a games, like a vampire um at that point, it's like I look at it and think, um probably p c Because it feels like you're getting even more value there if the PC port is good. You know, your nice 60 FPS, 1440p, and you're playing a game that's $40, that's replayable. I think there's a good feeling in that. But like I said, the Trophy Aura for me is very much a, like, near Replicant came out, right? I'm like, I want, I play near Automata, I got the Platinum for that. There's a continuity there maybe if the trophies aren't bad because I don't want to spoil the game for myself so I don't look at the trophy list before launch, maybe I will want the Platinum for near Replicant. So I pick it up on PS4 and I look at the trophy list and it's, you know, I got 75% of the trophies after completing the whole game. The rest of the Platinum looks awful when you got to upgrade all the weapons fully. Stupid trophy, by the way. The fact that that, uh, Automata had a purchasing trophy option but Replicant didn't, blows my mind anyway um, I think trophies are a major determining factor and it's really those two if it's I don't game on PC much as I've said about a number of times now uh, just because of my workstation right I don't want to game at my workstation Uh, it's just I need that separation and so For me, it's really, do I want to play on console or handheld? And that's where the art style camera perspective are pretty heavy and determining. And then what separates me from Xbox and PlayStation is like, do I want to get trophies for this? Because I do think Platinum's kick the shit out of Xbox achievements. I really do. So hopefully that answers your question, Cody. And let's move on to Brandon Stark. But first, a sip of water. This is where Dustin is sorely missed. I can't let him start talking and I take a quick sip. So you got to hear me swallow it down. All right. Brandon Stark writes in. Howdy, gents. Hope all is well. I bought my first ever gaming PC last December, but have never modded a game. Something I was excited about beforehand. It looks so daunting as a relatively new PC player. So you guys have any suggestions for baby's first modded game? I really do like to dip my feet into modding, but I have no clue where to start. Thanks, as always, for keeping me company in the car with a handful of podcasts every week. My pleasure, Brandon. Happy to serve you. So it's funny with uh, – with with well, I, call, I call them Brandon because that's his name. But uh, with, of course, Grimblades right in and now this, I don't know the status of setting up mods currently because it sounds like it's changing a little bit. But Skyrim is probably, I think, the best place to start um, just because there are so many mods to pick from. Skyrim was the first game I modded, and um, I managed to figure it out with – minimal tutorials because there are many mods now that are able to just through the nexus mod manager you can either install by dropping them into your files uh in your drive which is kind of daunting for people stick to mods that allow you to install through the mod manager so it's as simple as clicking a button it'll start downloading through there activate the mod call it a day shout out to gopher great content creator We've talked to him before on the ham radio podcast in our fallout four days. I've met go for a great guy. Um, he does excellent modding content, um, he does get into the complexity of it at times. Um, I did a new Vegas beginners modding guide as well. It was kind of a skit video though, uh, but it was something that was fun and different. So if you want to check that out, that could guide you a little bit more side note. I don't know what the fuck happens in this building. We have a hallway outside of the studio, right? And, like, I don't know if they're running a marathon, but people don't just walk by. They, like, they fucking run by, back and forth, back and forth. back. And I'm sitting here just like, what is going on out there? Anyway, despite all of that, here we are with Baby's first modded game, Skyrim, would be my pick. Then you can go deeper, right? Like, I know some people mod The Witcher 3, And all that stuff I have not gotten into that I only mod Bethesda games Because they are the best to mod So that would be my pick Brandon Get into it Let me know how it goes Next up Straw Hat Ninja Greetings panel I've been finding myself Looking more and more At my Steam library Since the Steam deck Was announced I have tons of indie games and visual novels I haven't played yet. And I feel like the Steam Deck is going to make it more likely to play those games. Is there any game or games that you were excited to try or play for the first time in your Steam backlog thanks to the Steam Deck? Oh, this is a great question. What's funny is one of the biggest backlog games for me is Pillars of Eternity. But since there's been enough time, they've done Switch ports, which... We're not going to touch those because there was a bug in one of them that they're just not fixing. Uh There's Xbox, but then you can stream it to your tablet. But I think Pillars might be on that list. We'll see. We'll see. I want to play it before then. But, of course, with all the releases starting to pick up now, there may not be time for that. So we'll see on that. I'm thinking of other games that I've purchased because that's the thing. I used to be a Steam sale buy and drop kind of guy. Just pick all these games up. Sure. And and then just stop playing them. I've said this before, but for me, like the most exciting part of it all is emulation. I'm just very keen on seeing how all of that works. Um but there are there are not many games. Just the thing is that a lot of games that I have on PC I could get elsewhere. Um so I'm not necessarily limited in that front where I might be forgetting something right now. Um, I think of League, maybe League of Legends would be great because I click around a lot for my video editing and that's what gave me some of my elbow issues last year and into this year a little bit where now it's behind us in a manner of speaking. But if I could play League using the precision track pads, if they're that good, we'll be in business, right? I would be really happy with that. Um, so something like that would be great. Genshin Impact doesn't have a portable way of playing. And that's a game... Well, it has it on phones, but I'm not going to use my phone for it. Uh, it's currently on consoles and PC. So I think Genshin Impact could be another good game to play on the Steam Deck because I want to get into it. I, I My friend sings the praises of it. I see so many people love Genshin Impact. I want to get into it. I mean, they're adding Aloy in. I would love to do that. Um, but... I just need it in a pick-up-and-play manner. I cannot plant myself in the chair and, and play that game for extensive periods of time. I, I feel like because it's so mobile it needs to be in a handheld format. So that would be my pick or set of picks. Thank you for writing in, Straw Hat Ninja. Next question goes to Golden Goose. Howdy, fellas. Hope all is well with you. I'm writing in regards to the new Skyward Sword port on Switch. So I know that it's one of the big go-gets. Uh, so I know that one of the big go gets was that it can be played in full handout mode. However, after playing through the intro, I immediately swapped to docked and played with the motion controls for a much better experience. Just want to see if either of you guys have played it. And if I'm alone in this cheers and have a fantastic podcast. Thank you for writing in golden goose. Uh, sadly, I can't give you a long answer on this or an answer at all because I've never played it at all. i never played it on Wii. I did not play it here on the switch. I'm not really interested in it. I think Nintendo is completely robbing people blind, and I'll pick it up on sale, if anything, because I know my girlfriend loves Zelda, so I want to add it to the collection for her. Um, I love Zelda to some extent. I like Zelda, I should say. Um, But, yeah, I have not played it, so I can't really uh, respond to this. Other than saying... Twilight Princess was a game I played on the Wii that I adored, and part of it was because of the motion controls. I loved that you could swing your sword around and stuff. To me, that was so cool. So as a kid, Skyward Sword may have been right up my alley because it was all about those motion controls, if I recall correctly. Bartivius writes in, What's up, Maddie and Dustin? I hope you two are having a slightly subpar recording session so far. I thought this episode's been fire. Honestly, when you really look at the beginning part of it, I mean... It was like 30 minutes of just pure laughs. With this arms race between Xbox and PlayStation that has been occurring with the two purchasing more and more studios, it seems like there will be more first-party exclusives than ever this gen. In my mind, this will lead to an influx of more people owning both consoles at some point this gen, especially with cheaper hardware out of the gate between the Xbox and X um, I'm sorry, series S and PS five digital. I'm wondering if either of you think the Xbox and PlayStation will have added more value to their online subscription services, gold slash plus to justify people spending double what they would in previous generations. Gold may be in better hands since it is wrapped in Xbox game pass ultimate, but I can't justify purchasing plus, especially with the rise in cross plat in multiplayer gaming. Thank you for your time. And for hours of entertainment every week, my pleasure All right. So, um, mm, I don't know if these companies think that way, right? Like if you are happily paying for a subscription service, unless you're like Xbox, which is trying to build it up and get people in the gate, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive. But if you're PlayStation, where people are happily handing you money for PS plus, I don't know if they feel overly compelled to give you more. I don't know if they just one day wake up and go, Let's really give them some good games for Plus this, this month. Let's let's spend big and get a day one release. Like They're not, I don't think, going to do that. So I don't know if they'll add more value. The, the, what I will say, though, is I think Plus has a higher ceiling um, in a way. Because Game Pass Ultimate will be Game Pass Ultimate, right? We already know kind of where it's trending, what's going to happen. More day one games streaming on other platforms, making an app put it on other consoles. All that is tremendously exciting and I think is more widespread. When I say higher ceiling, I mean more can be added on top of, right? Like we sort of know the game plan for Game Pass Ultimate is just getting as many games in there and getting them on as many platforms. Whereas Plus, right now you've got the PS Plus collection, you've got the PS Plus monthly games. Can you roll in PS Now? If you roll in PS Now, if you can keep that the same cost, can you start to do some type of Game Pass competitor on top of all of that? I feel like there is that room for more services to be packaged into Plus where they could add more value if they wanted to. I don't know if they do, though. But I do think there is that room there compared to Ultimate where I feel like we've sort of seen them show their hand of, like, here's how we're going to grow the service. We're going to invest big on it. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit the mic there. Um, But they're going to invest big on it. And I think it's more exciting, but I do think there's more room to grow with PS Plus for sure. Jay Lopez, 7331. Thank you for writing in. Hey guys, question is: Is there a game you've forgotten that was really good, but not too many people have played it? For me, it was Turok on the 360 and PS3. Game was hella fun. And if you like killing dinos, it was perfect. Decent story, but amazing combat and boss fights. Have a good week, dudes! And of course, shout out to the Ham Fam. Indeed, shout out to the Ham Fam. Um, I don't know if I forget it because I tend to hold on to my hidden gems pretty closely to the point where they're not hidden gems. One of them was Dangan Rampa. Dangan Rampa to me was a major hidden gem when it was on the Vita. And it really wasn't until after V3 and they started to move Dangan Rampa to PS4. Now they're finally bringing it with Decadence to the Switch um, that you're seeing it become more popular. It's still niche, but I think it's known enough, at least amongst my community, where I can't sit here and go, you know, this was something that's forgotten, but very good. Um, and especially because I beat the drum so loudly, I'm not going to forget it. Because once I find a gem, it's like, well, my job is on this platform to, sh- to of course, report accurately, but also to just show you games. Games that you may have never heard of. Or at least I like to do that. Uh, so for me, when I, I find a hidden gem, it's like, let's get into it, man. Like, here, here's why you need to hear about this game. Um, I think Death Row is on that list. Death Row is a game that definitely fits the bill of, like, not too many people play Death Row. Death Row is an Xbox exclusive. Um, It came from, I think, Southend Studios. It was a Ubisoft-published title back when Ubisoft's logo was, like, the rainbow. It wasn't even the swirl that it is now. Uh, It's a rainbow. And it is this – well, I've talked about it so much now. So, once again, my audience has already heard about it. But it really is fitting exactly that slot you're looking for. A fighting game, a sports game, arena game, all at the same time. It's got a great franchise mode. It's so wild, so off the walls. Only back compatible on Xbox 360, so it's even more forgotten now. Really upsetting is I love Death Row. I love, love, love this game. But simply put, it's a game that I think is easily forgotten amongst many fans. Um, Actually, right behind me here, that's another one transistor That's one that I have forgotten. I have it hung up. I see it every day. But I don't, you know, you, you get used to seeing it, You kind of pass it, don't think much on it. I think Transistor from Supergiant Games is another excellent title that came out from them. They really never miss between Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. They are so top tier. Whoever ends up getting them, right? Because I, I imagine they'll stay independent as long as they can. But if someone ever buys them, oh my god, they got a winner. Anyway, Transistor had really unique turn-based elements to it. And its art style, of course, is fantastic. Its, its music by Darren Kolb was incredible. Its story was really touching. And I think it's easily forgotten. It was a 2014 game. So me and Dustin were naming the game of the year list for, for 2014. I think if the industry was a little more caught up, that would have been a game on the list. Because for me, that was a top three. Um, I think... Actually, was Transistor or Danganronpa 2 my game of the year for 2014? I think it was Danganronpa 2. Um, That was – I love that game. But especially in 2014, it was just such a disappointing year. But Transistor was up there in my top three. I remember that. And I think if the industry was more into indies, right, more like, rah, rah, we got to support the independent devs. Game development's tough, man. Um, Transistor would have 100% been on that stage. So anyway, that would be my pick, Jay Lopez. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Doing great. I recently started playing uh, Wasteland 3. I almost said Hitman 3. And Divinity Original Sin 2 both for the first time. And I got to say, I'm genuinely upset at myself for not taking the plunge on turn-based slash isometric RPGs sooner. Can I say I almost envy you? (laughs) Both of the... The RPG, the isometric RPG, Goats of the Generation. And he's playing them both for the first time at the same time. You'll remember this moment for the rest of your life. Both games have amazing, have been amazing. I'm sorry, I'm reading poorly today. Both games have been amazing when it comes to character customization, builds, strategic combat, interesting branching quests, the ability for co-op. It blows my mind. I know Maddie has been preaching these types of games for a while now. And I wanted to ask... Why do you think these types of games are not typically well-known or popular as open-world action RPGs in mainstream gaming appeal? For example, as we know, Obsidian is working on Avowed, and a lot of us, myself included, are very excited for it. But if Obsidian was allowed to make another Pillars of Eternity game, it would probably not generate as much hype with the general gaming community. Sorry for the long question, but I wanted to shed light on the genre of games and hope that more people like myself will jump into the genre for the first time with so much to offer. Yes, please do, by the way. Um... We went back to camera perspectives with Hades and I think camera perspective is one of them. When you're not close to that character, there's an intimacy there where you can see the details, the armor, the weapons that they have, the, the tattoos, the, the facial animations, um, the interactions, the engagement. It's a more movie-like, it's a more cinematic experience um, that makes things more lifelike and in turn is more gripping. That's where isometric RPGs fall short, but Wasteland 3 had, I thought, a really good idea where a lot of conversations are handled as you would expect in isometric RPGs of just picking dialogue choices. The camera flips around a little bit, but you're always overhead. Then for very important conversations or important characters you're meeting, it brings you in, and they're fully mo-capped conversations. I really love this idea because I think it makes it appealing to mainstream. Wasteland 3 gets so many tips of the cap for me because not only they get that right, but I think the way that Wasteland 3 transfers turns back and forth between the the player and the enemy. Like the enemy's turn all happens at once. So they just move and it's over. And immediately you have control and you're playing the game again. It's another thing with turn bases. You've got to wait for the enemies to do things. It's not a bad thing, by the way. It's really not. It, it, it happens. But I think it's a intangible where once you get control back, you're playing the game. And it's like, well, why is this more engaging? Sometimes it doesn't come down to a mechanical level. It's just that you're playing the game. So suddenly this turn-based game, even though you're you're strategizing, you're not dodging and rolling and all that stuff like you would in an action game, you're interacting on a level that's keeping you there mentally engaged. I think it's because it doesn't have that cinematic look and feel, and it's not until you lay your hands on it that you don't really understand why exactly it is so good, and it could be more marketable. I think if it were more marketable, you could pump more money into it, and you could start to do more fully fleshed out cutscenes for these types of games, but also I think that no developer wants to risk that. They don't want to put the budget in for something quite like that, where where it's risky, man. It's risky business to to say like let's spend tens of thousands of dollars on this cutscene here for this isometric game. I think it's just the style it's made in, and I look at it this way, right? I don't think the developers are complaining because isometric turn-based like there's more you can do. There's more enemy types you can pump in because of the price of animation um, versus full action. I'll put it this way, right? We This gets into my game a little bit. I've talked to an art director who's helping us out who will be creating our assets for the game. And we were going through how much it would cost for action elements – so to speak, on an art level, uh, with with animation, um, versus turn based, and how those animations were rolled out with effects, and let's just say you can make. In my case, I can get much more for my money and make a much more diverse experience in a in a turn based or an isometric kind of setting um, because of. The, the way we're handling our assets there and the way it's animated. Um, this does not apply universally across all games, but I just want to say as an example of seeing kind of the money that would be spent and how much you can get out of that um, across the board. This is where um, I think some people just simply don't understand. It's fine, by the way. Yeah, I'm learning as I go. I really am. Uh, it's It's been a really... You know, I don't mean to always beat that drum, right? Because I feel like it sounds a little preachy and a little annoying. Number one, I want to keep it in the mind of my audience. But number two is I think I've learned so much from it already when we're really just getting started that it's held my coverage tremendously in perspective, which I've only been told is like one of the better qualities of my channel is just the the approach to things. Um, So I think that's why even the game makers don't care because there's more room to profit and there's more room to create something that will excite fans of that fan base. Where I feel like what we're doing with our game, I'm like, I think people who like turn based RPGs are gonna really dig the ideas that we've got for this game. Um, will it be super marketable? I mean, as an indie game at a, at a at a fair price, I'm hoping you know it can reach beyond that because we've seen that happen with indie games before. But yeah, I just think there's, some, you know, action and motion. Just that that speaks to people more? There's more control there. Turn based is. Uh, You know, some people, their brains don't click with it. They go, Why am I waiting for someone to hit me? Like, why am I not moving around and rolling? And I get that. I respect that. And then you've seen South Park is a kind of a a rare shout out for trying to create action within turn based elements. Um, I think Lost Odyssey tried it a little bit with the you hold down the right trigger and, and then you release at the right time for standard attacks. So you're not just clicking and watching. And uh, so there's companies that try to find in-betweens, but I really do think it's just that action is simply more engaging for a general audience because it's capturing it's, it's, it's more, uh, it requires more button presses. Uh, so there's stuff there where people like myself, many others like to be very mentally engaged as well. And that's where turn-based isometric RPGs work fantastically. Sean Mason is our next write-in. Hey boys, Today is the final day of a week-long vacation on Cape Cod. It was a blast. We had perfect weather. A few things we did were a barbecue on the beach, a couple 12-mile hikes, jet skiing, and parasailing. My question, what is your favorite vacation you've ever been on? Well, thank you for writing in even while you're on vacation, Sean. We hope you had a great week, man. Um, it sounds like you did. Favorite vacation I've ever been on? Whew. I have not been on many vacations. Really, since YouTube picked up in full time, my vacation amount has depleted. Uh, I don't go on many because it requires a lot of work for your boy to get on vacation. But as my relationship progresses, uh, me and Laylee have talked so often and and, um, I know I'm going to have to take more vacations because I know it'll keep me fresh for my work and it'll require a little more prep work on the end. But that's also why, I'll answer this question in a second, but it's why I've put such a focus on trying to pepper in original content because maybe there will come a time where I can say, hey, I'm going to pull out for five days, but the channel will not just plummet when I do that. I've had a pretty strong reminder. You know, We've had a really strong run, I should say, for the last year and change um, on the channel, probably starting with Wastelanders. So that was April of 2020. And since then, the channel's been on a run where it's, it's grown a lot. The viewership has been strong. And now with E3 and a lot of news dying down, there's just been fatigue. July has been a pretty ass month for me where it's it's been a reminder. It's like, okay, we're not quite there yet. We're not quite at that level yet that, you know, I'm not reaching for like millions and millions of subscribers. Would that be great? Sure. But I look at it more along the lines of like, we're not at that level where I'm financially comfortable in an aspect where I can say, like, I'm going to not make content for a couple days. I'm going to go take care of myself or whatever, which I do anyway. But I'm saying, like, I'm going to just pull out and just do go on a vacation. Um, and that I know that when I come back, that viewership will still remain strong. There isn't that demand or hunger yet. Um, and that's just me being honest with myself. And that's why this, this – I'll just tease this here. This new channel I'm working on, I feel very good about And that will be something I'm starting this year. Just keep an eye out for it. It's not going to be a second channel. I need to emphasize that. It will be a new channel. Just keep an eye out for that. Uh, But anyway, to the point of vacations, favorite one I've been on, I really enjoyed the Florida vacation that my girlfriend and I went on. We went there for four or five days, and we went to Universal. It was just really nice. We had uh, a lot of nice uh, nights out of of. Going to dinner. Um, you know, we still talk about it to this day. Like I went to a place called Supa And I got like this Kaioken bowl. Which was this. If anyone's watching the video version. It was literally this wide. Like it was as wide as the camera lens. It was a huge deep bowl of ramen. It was like $35. And even when I ordered it. I was standing there. Like, yeah I'll take the Kaioken. The guy's are like. Are you sure? Like you will not finish this. Especially looking at me right. Like you know this skinny guy. I have an appetite but like they were like are you sure i went all right look i'm on vacation i like to splurge a little when i'm on vacation i also this is an experience and now i talk about it all the time i'm like the kyle ken bowl is legit it's a group bowl you cannot get it on your own but um you know we did stuff like that we went mini golfing of course universal itself was a blast going on all the rides first time i was on a, a kind of roller coaster uh a legit one if you will which is fucking terrifying. I never want to do it again. I literally had an anxiety attack. I was like, I can't do that again. We were laughing afterwards, but I, in the moment I was like, I'm going to fucking die. I can't do it, man. So that was one of my favorites. A lot of great memories came out of that, especially because, you know, that was, um, you know, a point in the relationship where it's like, you know, right? You're like, yeah, this, you know, like I already knew I believed she was the one, but you just knew like, you know, we had an extended period of time, just us living in an Airbnb together. Um, and it was nothing but good times. And you're like, yeah, this is my future for sure. Um, so that was a good one. Uh, let's see here. I think to, it's funny. We were talking about vacations at the dinner table. My family and I, we, we go to this story. We went to Maryland one time, ocean city, Maryland. And my family and I love mini golf. As you can tell, there's a theme there, right? Every time we go on vacation, mini golf. So this is an embarrassing story. Not really. It's not my fault. I was like four years old at the time. This is not a favorite vacation, but it's a hilarious vacation story. And I remember I'm walking around the, the mini golf course. My mom's a very competitive woman. I'm like, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. Like I know. I was young, right? I was like four or five years old. But I remember like, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm telling everyone, like, I got to go. And they're like, yep, hold on. And, and, and they keep putting ball we keep playing but your boy's gotta piss like a racehorse and guess what happened there we are hole six scarred in my memory i'm standing there and i'm like well this is it it's over right here and i urinate myself and i remember clear as day like i'm just standing there like yep it's just i i can't help it i'm i couldn't hold it and i'm going and there was a couple and these motherfuckers right once again, this is for the video viewers. Let's pretend my microphone is, is the wife. I'm the husband husband's standing there and they're both like captured with each other. looking like, like as if I'm some terror and they're holding each other like, Oh dear, he's pissing himself. And I'm like, really? Like, that's what, that's your reaction. Not like go get my parents or something. You're going to stand there and go, Oh, Oh, Oh God. Like I'm a monstrosity. I'm sorry. I think that man definitely pissed himself at one point. I think that woman did too, if I'm quite frank. Anyway, anyway, great vacation story. Not the best vacation. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Other vacations. I swear, man, do I have shame? (laughs) Uh, Other vacations I really liked. QuakeCon, the the week-long trip in Texas was fucking fire. I love that vacation. That was when my boys, uh, Vinny and Tyler, came with me to QuakeCon. We had a blast. Um, just so many stories came out of that. I just remember like us going to a, a, a super eight hotel. I will never do that again. Um, the cigars we picked up after QuakeCon. I met a, a, a good friend of mine who was once a viewer, John, um, and he hung out with us, and we all just got to talk, get to know each other. Of course, getting to know more people at Bethesda was nice. The content opportunities that were presented there. But there wasn't much of a vacation, right? Like, it was always tied with work. Same thing. I was going to pick E3. E3, like my first E3, I'll always remember that. But it was like, was that a vacation? Like, we traveled to California. So it's a vacation mentality. But then I worked my ass off. So it really wasn't. So I'd have to pick Florida with Laylee, for sure. I mean, I love that vacation. Um, One of my favorites. And so, yeah. Thank you for the write-in, Sean. Two questions left. Number one comes from New Ookla Stick. What's up, guys? Hope everyone's doing well. The Ascent released a deep dive gameplay video recently, and I was surprised to learn its encounters are all procedurally generated. Not disappointed, just surprised. Still pretty excited about it. Just wanted to know your opinions on procedural generation. If I remember correctly, Maddie isn't always a fan, but don't know about Dustin. Well, Dustin is procedurally generating something at the venue. Second, do you see the value in these title screen teasers for Dead Space and Elder Scrolls 6? I personally hate them. I would rather wait three to four years until the developers have some actual gameplay they can show. Thanks for the hard work. The podcasts have been really hitting their stride lately. Thank you, NucleStick. Appreciate that. Uh, So when it comes to these teasers, what I'm learning is developers like to create a conversation. That's their thing. They announce it early to create a conversation. I got to bring it back to my game, but also games that I've liked. It's kind of inspired by them. Uh, So Fallout 4, very short window between announcement and releases. It's famously known for, and many games try to do that now, where once you announce the game, there is a short window there. But there's something to be said. These companies must see numbers where they know if a game is teased and it creates a conversation. I believe it was Avalanche who said it about contraband. It's like, why announce it so early? They're like, it creates a conversation. And maybe in the Xbox category, that makes sense because there, it's always about conversation there. Like, this is coming to Game Pass one day, and, and this it's always talking because they don't have much to show. So I think the conversation may be more important for them. Um, But I do think there must be value there that we don't see. For me and many others, I think the value is saying, like, here's the game, and you're getting it in, like, four months and or five months, and just keeping that window short enough to market it to get it out there and especially if it's at a right price point which indie games typically are where i think they benefit the most of that window where if you capture an audience they're excited and then you can capture a second tier audience which is like hey this thing's coming out and they're like oh i didn't even hear about this oh it's 20 bucks all right like that's in that compulsive range where you can sort of be, uh, impulsive range sorry where you can go all right i'll, I'll pick this up Like, that's not a $60 buy-in big game. Like, I should have heard about it if it was $60 and they were marketing it. Um, So, I think there's more benefit to that route, personally. Uh, We'll see one day. (laughs) On a personal level, we'll see. But I just think uh, that these teasers, I agree, are underwhelming. I don't think they excite me other than just knowing something exists. As for the ascent with procedural generation, you are remembering correctly. Your boy does not like them. Now, if the levels are handcrafted, that's fine. If the loot is handcrafted, that's fine. If it's procedurally dropped and the encounters happen procedurally, that's fine too. Because there's dynamic encounters in plenty of my favorite games. Fallout 3, the encounters don't happen in the same way every time. Skyrim, they don't. You can count on them being in the same room. Um, But I should have probably checked out the deep dive gameplay video before offering more thoughts. But... I am not too upset by this because as long as the levels are handcrafted for me, it's about the space you're in. If that's procedurally generated, then I'm just not that interested because I like knowing I've walked into a room. Someone's built this room. There's a loot here in particular, or there's a story here that was designed for me to find and uncover. There's something much more intimate about that. When your encounters and enemies are are procedural, I can live with that. So that's my answer to both those questions. Next and final question comes from Natural Calamity. Greetings, Maddie. The only the one the only man with a plan and Dustin, man with too many videos to edit, but gets it done because he is the badass of the year. Oh, he would have loved to hear that. Now off to the questions. How many are too many for re-releases? Skyrim re-released maybe seven times. Last of Us continuing to make its re-releases for their new console. Don't they need to add some new features for it to really be worthwhile, or is this just a case of pay up or shut up? Um, I feel like we we harp on those particular games a little too much. I think they're annoying, right? Like even Skyrim, one of my favorite games, I do think it's a little annoying with their re-releases. But Pete Hines was pretty transparent, saying, "Stop buying it." So people are are picking up these re-releases. It's a thing, and uh, GTA is another. Which is very much like, here's another one. Here's another version of it. And yeah, they're very tiring, but people are buying them. Um, I'm not so against the idea of a company releasing... I'm actually not against it at all. If a company releases a game, and then later they do a complete edition, a a definitive edition. The reason I'm not so against that is because in, in an ideal circumstance, right? There are games where... They couldn't have added, I think of Trails of Cold Steel when they did their decisive edition and whatnot, they were able to add more voice acting, turbo mode, higher frame rate, more content. Like they were able to make the game they wanted to with a definitive edition, but that could only happen if they released their, we'll say main game. They released it and went like, okay, you know, this is, it, it is what it is. And they made enough and there was enough of fan base there to go like, okay. New generation rolls around. Let's re-release this again. See if we can capture the audience again. Here's some new bells and whistles. So I think there is something to that. But I do think after that first re-release, if you do anything more than that, you've got to be a damn popular game. Or there's got to be a new platform. That's the thing. I'm not against also hitting new platforms. If it releases on a new platform, that makes sense. It's a staggered marketing campaign. Like If I release the game, or or you've seen it with many others, you want to hit PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. And then maybe you hit switch later, right? Like there's an anticipation there. Second question from Natural Calamity. How sustainable is Game Pass? If every first party game is included, won't that hurt costs? Will they have to change the game plan? Or is the long run uh, the plan? Will they wait for Game Pass to equal out? Is it just such an overwhelming return on value? Is it meant to scare the competition? Um, I think Game Pass is sustainable because Microsoft is at their back. We actually talked about this really extensively on Defining Duke. This is one of the rare times where I feel like we're having a pretty big overlap on on a question. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Game Pass, it's like I'm not really concerned because we've gotten so many great games from it. If they end up going, it's not sustainable, we're shutting it down. It would be really sad because that's Xbox's future platform. And it would really, we'd have to have a big conversation on that. But my concern is not how sustainable these services are. Like It's up to them to run it and make sure that they can keep it as is. And if they can't, then they'll have to shut it down. But in that time, we got a lot of great games for free. So that's what matters to me. That's my my answer to that. So that'll wrap up episode 311 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening this deep. If you got this deep, leave a hashtag in the comments down below. We'll call it Dustin Leaves Ham. Hashtag Dustin leaves Hand. We'll scare the audience a little bit. Dustin's out of here. Uh, but we'll leave that out there for the audience. And um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. And uh, we'll wrap it up there. I'm starving though. I had a pretty big lunch, but it's 3.30 now. So I'm going to eat again. I think it's just one of those days. Your boy's just hungry. So I'm going to go do that, and then we're going to record a Dragon Age video, which you'll have already seen by the time this is all live. So until then, take good care of yourselves, and we'll catch you with episode 312 of the Hammer Radio Podcast. Peace out.